Now please pray with me before we get into the proclamation of the word. Father, we give you thanks for what you have done this morning. We give you thanks for Phil and for Pamela leading us in worship. We give you thanks for uh, your body, the body of Christ, which is around the world, worshiping this morning. We pray that you be with us, Cremona Congregational Church, as we gather and sit and open up your word. May you give us ears to hear and eyes to see your beauty, glory, forgiveness, and just righteousness. We thank you for who you are. May we see your character revealed in this passage this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, have you ever heard of something that was simply unbelievable? Throughout the history of this world, humans have encountered things that seem simply unbelievable. Take these for instance, for example. July 20th, 1969, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin land on the moon. Unbelievable at the time? Absolutely. March 10th, 19, 1886, Alexander Graham Bell made the first telephone call. Unbelievable at the time, no doubt. December 17th, 1903, Wilbur and Orville Wright flew the first successful airplane. Crazy and unbelievable, absolutely. How about things in your own life? Have you ever encountered something that was, at least before it happened, seemed unbelievable? The Bible, from Genesis all the way to Revelation, is full of things that seemed unbelievable at the time for various reasons. Sometimes they were simply amazing, and that's why they were unbelievable. And sometimes they were simply unbelievable for the reason we see today, that God is actually doing good through these evil things around us. The Bible is full of these unbelievable things from our viewpoint because God points us as the church to have faith in him. One of my favorite quotes about faith comes from Martin Luther, the old reformer, who said this, God our Father has made all things depend on faith, so that whoever has faith will have everything, and whoever does not have faith will have nothing. So as we go forward this morning, as we go forward today, Continue to be thinking about faith in God amidst unbelievable things. Because here is the main point that I want us to see in the text today. Believe the unbelievable. Believe the unbelievable. Not because of our character, not because of your character, but because of God's. Today, this morning, we are continuing our series in the book of Habakkuk. For a few reasons. The first reason is this. We want to be reminded of the goodness and sovereignty of God. Number two, we want to be shown the need for faith in the midst of the unknown. 
Number three, we want to take our assumptions about God to God. Last week, we started this incredible book. We heard these verses from verses 1 to 4 as we started Habakkuk. Verses 1 to 4 say these again. The prophecy that Habakkuk the prophet received. How long, Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore the law is paralyzed. Justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous, so that justice is perverted. These words introduced us to a prophet and human being named Habakkuk, who was honest, absolutely feisty at times, and yet through all of that still faithful to the God he cried out to. In this passage, our assumptions about God were challenged, and in many ways we came face to face with our own uncertain anxieties. Anxieties and fears that are prevalent in our life when we encounter not just pandemics, but internal trials and crisis within our life. We came face to face when we saw the assumptions of Habakkuk, who declared that the law was paralyzed. Justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous. And that justice is perverted because God was apparently not listening to Habakkuk in his crying out for justice and salvation from the violence and injustice among him. Today, as we continue along in this book, we get to hear from the God who Habakkuk cried out for. We get to hear a response from the God who Habakkuk claimed was not listening. So let's see what God has to say to Habakkuk. If you have your Bibles with you, whether it be on your screen, in front of you, or in your hands, we're going to be in verses 5 to 11. Habakkuk 1, 5 to 11 says these words. Look at the nations and watch, and be utterly amazed. For I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people, who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are a feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honor. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops headlong. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle swooping to devour. They all come intent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. They mock kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at all fortified cities. By building earthen ramps, they capture them. Then they sweep past like the wind and go on. Guilty people whose own strength is their God. 
Firstly, before we even get into the depths of the text itself, we need to understand that this is an answer to prayer. Habakkuk has cried out to the God who he claimed wasn't listening, and the silent God has answered. This relates to the main theme of the entire book of Habakkuk from chapters 1, 2, 3. That the righteous, those who have been made right with God, are to live by faith. The righteous will live by faith. Faith in not simply crying out to God, but also knowing and believing that God is actually listening. This also isn't an Old Testament thought or theme, simply, simply from the Old Testament. Paul repeats this, the Apostle Paul in Romans 1.17, as he says, For in the gospel, the good news, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. This core idea that God's people are to live by faith is based solely on God's character and our response to it. You see, because God is righteous and has made us righteous based on the blood of Jesus, we are to act out on faith because we know in God's character, because of his righteousness, he is faithful. But how many times do we not believe that God will answer prayer? Or that God is silent and we are crying out to him? I think perhaps more times than we think. At times we believe that prayer doesn't work, or that God doesn't work, because there is no answer to our prayer. But would it be crazy to believe, even when we doubt, that God still answers prayer? You see, God calls us to live by faith, and for Habakkuk to do the same, even in this passage. Habakkuk cries out to God, and God answered him. Habakkuk was faithful, remember, in his protest. He knew from before that God was love. He knew he was holy, 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 and believed that God existed. But he didn't quite agree with the timing. In fact, we can see that the timing of it all was what Habakkuk didn't agree on as he says those three words in the beginning of this book. How long, Lord? And God answers with saying, Look at the nations. Watch and be utterly amazed. In other words, look around you. Look at the injustice. Look at the violence and be amazed. Not because of the acts around you, but because, as he says, For I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. Here's the point that I want us to see in this message. You see, God isn't silent. However, God works in his own way. Therefore, believe what seems unbelievable. Believe the unbelievable because God is at work for your good and his glory. 
For Habakkuk, he wouldn't even believe, even if he was told about the amazing things he is going to do, what God is going to do to conquer the evil around. You see, this is one of the core characteristics of our God. Not that God won't tell, because as we will see in this passage, he actually does tell Habakkuk. But rather, that God is just and good in his own timing. He will answer prayer. However, it will be in his own timing, his own way, and in his own terms. Now, this shouldn't frighten us. God isn't a harmful dictator. He's a good and loving Father who wills all things for the good of those who love Him, those who are called to Him, those He calls sons and daughters. We need to know this as we go on in this text, because the following words from God to Habakkuk almost seems like things are going to get from bad to worse. In fact, in many ways, they would for the people of God. Because God says these words. He says he is raising up the Babylonians. Now, there is a problem within the land, as we heard from last week. Violence, injustice from the leaders and the citizens. And here God gives part of his solution. But probably, most likely, not the solution that Habakkuk both wanted or expected. The Babylonians were the coming enemy, the coming army that God was raising up. And as he describes the Babylonians, we get a sense that they're not the greatest kind of people. They are, as the text says, ruthless, impetuous. They sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings. They are a fearful people who instill fear into others. They are a law to themselves. They promote their own honor. In terms of their army, their horses are swift, fiercer than wolves. The horsemen swoop to devour, intent on violence. These people mock kings and rulers capturing fortified cities. They sweep past like the winds. And then God uses these words in verse 11 to end it. it. says, They are guilty people whose own strength is their God. Well, I think it's apparent, and we'll see even more next week, that this isn't the response that Habakkuk was hoping for and not the response that he thought he was going to get from God. In fact, you could almost imagine Habakkuk saying, Really, Lord? And in fact, we'll get to that next week. God is using an enemy nation to bring justice to the evil in Judah. In this, God is demonstrating an answer to Habakkuk's complaints earlier. God will not tolerate violence or injustice. He is doing something, but perhaps not exactly what Habakkuk thought would happen. Habakkuk lived during the reign of King Jehoiakim, 
who was the son of King Josiah. Josiah, of course, was a king who did good. His son, on the other hand, had a different story. 2 Kings 23, 36-37 tell us that Jehoiakim was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 11 years. His mother's name was Zebediah, daughter of Padiah. She was from Ramah. And he did evil in the eyes of the Lord, just as his predecessors had done. In the next verses, we hear exactly the words that God had given Habakkuk. Verses 1 to 4 of 2 Kings 24. It says, During Jehoiakim's reign, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, invaded the land. And Jehoiakim became his vassal for three years. But then he turned against Nebuchadnezzar and rebelled. The Lord sent Babylonian, Armenian, Moabite, and Ammonite raiders against him to destroy Judah in accordance with what the word of the Lord proclaimed by his servants, the prophets. And then these words that remind us of the passage today. It says, Surely these things happened to Judah according to the Lord's command, in order to remove them from his presence because of the sins of Manasseh and all he had done, including the shedding of innocent blood, for he had filled Jerusalem with innocent blood, and the Lord was not willing to forgive. Notice those words. Surely these things happened to Judah according to the Lord's command. You see, God listens but perhaps doesn't answer his people like we expect him to. When we see injustice, violence, and all kinds of evil around us, we may believe that God is way too slow in acting. When we are in trials, when we are sick, when we ask God for deliverance, we may believe that God is way too slow with the things we are enduring. Yet God works in his own timing and works in ways we often simply don't expect. So how do we this morning, thousands of years later, see not simply application in passage about Babylon with no words from Habakkuk himself, but ultimately see what this means about God and us throughout it. I think we need to start here. Romans 8, 28 says these comforting words about God. Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God, even when he seems silent, is not. He isn't far off. He isn't distant. God works. He worked for the good of his people in Habakkuk's time, and he's doing it right now. Not simply in some things, either. In all things. Whether pandemic, whether you are sick, whether you are in a trial of some kind. God is working for the good of those who love him, his church, the body of Christ, the family of God, who have been called according to his purpose. 
For Habakkuk, the trials of injustice and violence had been happening for far too long. The leaders of Judah and Israel have been far too inconsistent in their obeying of God and his law, and Habakkuk had enough. He cried out to God, and so we must do this as well. And God heard him, and I believe God will hear us. Church, this morning, believe what seems unbelievable. Believe that God is there and listening, even though it seems unbelievable. Believe that God is working, even when it seems like evil is triumphing. Because it is God who is raising up things for the good of his people and the glory of himself. Even in a pandemic, God raises things that may seem like God is completely out of control. Perhaps like the Babylonians, who were in many ways the very definition of what God opposed. Believe the unbelievable. Much like God was calling Habakkuk to do. You see, much like God is challenging Habakkuk, challenged Habakkuk, he is also challenging us this very morning. The very idea that God can and does bring good from evil is a theme that echoes throughout the entire Bible. Take Joseph, for example, in Genesis 50, verse 20. As he declares after revealing to his brothers that he is alive, after years after his brothers sold him, he says these words in Genesis 50, 20. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. This response from God to Habakkuk tells us ultimate good, which we could say as eternal joy and salvation in God, must also come at the point of an ultimate evil. Jesus, for example, that to bring about the atonement for our sins and to bring about forgiveness and eternal life, which is the ultimate good, Jesus had to live out the ultimate evil. That Good Friday event that we celebrated just a little while ago, the execution of the pure, sinless Jesus on the cross. At the cross, Jesus received justice for the sins of our idolatry, in which we did do and will worship other things than Jesus himself. It is at the cross that justice and mercy meet. The cross is the ultimate reason we can have faith, even amidst frustration, because God uses people and events for his good purposes. Using evil works, the evilest we have ever seen, to bring about the greatest good we have ever seen. Even with evil around, believe that God is at work for your good. Even with frustration abounding in us more and more, believe that God is at work. And he is a good God who works for your good and for his glory. Trust God in difficult times. Trust in his character. Believe the unbelievable. Let's pray. Father, you call us to faith. And many times faith seems very hard for us. 
In it, I pray that the Holy Spirit would remind us of the words of Jesus and the ministry that he proclaimed while on earth. That he told us to believe in him. And so, Father, I pray that we would believe that our actions would reflect the faith that you have given us and the faith that we are to believe in you. You are at work. We thank you for who you are, your character. In Jesus' name, amen.